0: Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. And as we're getting to Genesis chapter 1, and then the other place that you can put a a thumb or a note or something is in Proverbs 8. Let me pray today as we get going. Father, we thank you again that even in this year we remember that we're doing things unto you. All things are unto you. We thank you for your words. They are life to us. They are health to all of our flesh. We thank you, Lord. We tune off. Sometimes our our mind is running a thousand miles an hour. We tune that off and we focus on you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Let me open with this verse. John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus' words. In fact, when the disciples probably heard this, they probably didn't know what he was talking about. Um, but he wanted to say it anyways, and he says this in John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go. One of the things that Jesus was saying to them that they didn't understand is he knew that God's spirit on the inside of them would be far more powerful than him walking alongside them. That was the whole principle. My spirit is going to live with you. It's going to be more powerful than me walking alongside of you. That was a hard thing for them to, to grasp. And so I wanna to look today, in fact, my title today is Your Advantage, right? To your advantage. So uh, I finally ended up having to get a new cell phone. My ear speaker went out. So it is annoying when you're at the supermarket and your wife sends you and says, hey, could you go get a, um, I just missed it. What was the, that drink? The non-alcoholic drink. I know mean, <laughs> I had to say that. Ginger ale, I'm sorry, I like blank, right? Can you get ginger ale? And I go, I can't find ginger ale, right? Looking around the sodas and I'm on the speaker, right? I can't find, you know, because my ear, I'm the guy at the supermarket that's like annoying. Okay, I can't find ginger. Where do you usually find ginger ale? Find somebody, they'll show you. I find, can I, can you help? I'm trying to find, I'm like, oh, I gotta turn this off. It's annoying, right, no speaker. And I find the ginger ale's in the alcohol section. That's kind of odd, isn't it? Uh, Anyways, so I'm on like speaker, like no speaker, can't talk, you're talking to everybody like on the speaker. And it's, it's annoying because if you're in a car with somebody or somewhere, you gotta step in another room. So I get a new phone, which I didn't know the feature that it has. If you're in a car accident, it'll dial and it detects it and calls 911. Well, I had a lady in our neighborhood back out like a banshee out of her driveway, whacked right into my truck, took my tire out and it hit me so hard that I think my steering wheel turned and I went up on the next guy's lawn. And I had a, a glass of ice, didn't move. I had a protein bar, didn't move, I couldn't find my phone. And now I hear this, I detect an accident, calling 911, 10, 9, 8. And I'm looking around, oh, it's under my feet, next thing I know, it's Brea PD on the phone. I'm like, wow. I was saying, wouldn't that be great if we had a spiritual detector? <laughs> I detected seven words you said today that you shouldn't have said, right? <laughs> I detected you didn't pray today, so I want you to stop right now and pray, Right? I'm going to call your mother, because, no those type of things. Well, that would be nice as a reminder, but Jesus is reminding them about the power of the inside work of the Holy Spirit when we learn to listen to his voice. So Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3. Right, right at the beginning, we read this, and it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. We probably all read that one before, right, in the beginning. But we notice something about the work of the Spirit. What is the Spirit doing? hovering it may give you like an image of a helicopter right it's hovering over the waters in fact what's interesting even the word uh, that we read about in this verse here the spirit of God that word spirit is also sometimes looked at as a wind or a breath right the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters the spirit of God is already in position waiting on God to do what Speak. because the moment that he speaks, that's what the Holy Spirit's role is. It's the power to go in force. So God says, say it with me, let there be light, and what happened? Light. You ever hit a switch in your house, it didn't go on? Normally they do, right? Let there, Light goes on. Let there be light. The Bible says in Genesis, and it says it several times, then God said, And every time God said, it happened. Well, who went to work causing those things to happen? The Holy Spirit did. Six days of creation. And on the seventh, he rested. It's amazing to think of what he created in six days. And it's hard for us sometimes to get that picture. You know, we have two friends that are going through some remodel. One's doing a backyard remodel that's still into year one and it's not done. Permits, subcontractors, supplies, right? We have another friend doing a remodel on a townhome, and they were told four to six months. Permits, supplies, subcontractors. And then I looked up the New York uh, Empire State Building, the one that we all see. They finished that in one year and 45 days. One year, I'm thinking this backyard where the pool's not even done in a year, and the pool's already there. In fact, they said if the Empire State Building was built today, it would take them over 10 years because of the planning commission, the permits, the, all of the environmental. They would never like get it done. But when God said it was done, right, that power. What's interesting when we read about this in uh, our Bibles is we see at work God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Did you see Jesus in action in creation? Didn't, didn't you read what he said? Did you see that at all? Wait, where's Jesus? If we believe and know that the Bible teaches us about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, well, where was Jesus? Did they forget about him? No, I'm going to show you right here. So this is what we find in, um, in uh, Proverbs chapter 8. I want to read this, and then we'll back up. Proverbs 8, again... All wisdom was given into the heart of Solomon, the wisest one that ever lived outside of Jesus. And we get this description in Proverbs 8 of wisdom, but listen to the language, and we're going to get a different picture of Jesus' role in creation. Proverbs 8, verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting. From the beginning, before there was ever an earth, where when there was no depth, I was brought forth. When there were no foundations abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as of yet he had not made the earth of the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily His delight, rejoicing before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. Notice what it says right there. I was beside him as a what? Master craftsman. It's interesting that word uh, craftsman, one of the other um, translations reads master architect. So here we see Jesus's role in creation as a Craftsman as an architect. We don't necessarily see the name Jesus in Genesis 1, but we know this, God is one. And it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's not God with three personalities. It's one God, three persons. Always at work together. Jesus, this master craft. Well, what did they call Jesus before we see in his ministry? Isn't that the carpenter's son? In fact, one of the translations calls him, that's the carpenter, that's the son of Mary. A carpenter, interesting. Jesus is creating things out of wood, but yet he's described as the master craftsman. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God even lets us in on the insight of one God, three persons, When it says this, and God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let uh, Do we have that verse to put up there? Let us, we don't, capital, in your Bibles you should see that word us is capitalized. Let us, not let me, let us. The Hebrew word is the word Elohim, which that word Elohim really means this, the gods, the rulers, the divine representatives in sacred places. Let us, right? Let us. We see early on in Genesis 3.15, where it's mentioned that uh, in the curse that there would be one, it's called the seed, do we have that verse too? Uh, Oh, there we go. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. Some of your translations, depending on your Bible, says he'll crush his head. Notice that there was already something about one coming being Jesus. That verse gets fulfilled at his death and resurrection. One is coming to crush the head. So, when we read these things, when we read about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, we use that word that's not in the Bible. It's the word Trinity. You know what other word is not in the Bible? The word rapture. Anybody heard the word rapture? You don't find that word in the Bible. The word in the Bible that we use for the word rapture is the gathering together. That's what we use. Uh, in fact, that's found in 2 Thessalonians, the word rapture. You know, the other word in the Bible that's not in the Bible is the word Bible. Oh, I've been calling it Bible for 30 years. I know you've sinned and you need to repent. To, no, you don't need to, right? We know, though, that our Bible is called the Word of God, right? The sword of the spirit, the law of God, all of those different, the commands of the Lord. But we've referred to it as our Bible, right? It's our Bible. The other word you don't find in the Bible is the word Trinity. But it was one that was chosen to give an example of one God, three persons. You know, there's an old time uh, famous hymn, right? That is using those type of things. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, always at work, always working together. So I want to look at another verse here that uh, shows us exactly what Jesus is probably even doing today. John chapter fourteen, verse three. It's interesting when the um, disciples were a little bit discouraged, but Jesus was talking to them about future things. And in John fourteen three, he says. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, Jesus has ascended to the Father over 2,000 years ago. It must be some place that he's preparing. Think about it. If it took God six days for everything that we get to see, it's taken Jesus 2,000 years, that master craftsman architect, and he says, I am preparing a place for you. John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says this. Remember, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because you and I know this, right? If you have two people in any relationship or friendship, there's going to be trouble, right? How many of you know there can only be two people in your house? You ever get in an argument? How many of you argue with yourself when you look in the mirror? No, don't raise your hand. How many of you have three persons? No, don't say that either. How many of you know somebody that's got a few personalities? All right, let's get back on the word. All right, John 5, 30. Jesus said these words. I can of myself do nothing. Wow. I can of myself, wait a minute. Hasn't he already turned the water to wine? Hasn't he already fed people and healed people? I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous as I hear. Who's he listening to? The Father. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I'm doing his will. You know, we call it in people that are... um, Stubborn. Anybody ever call you stubborn? You know, you're a little stubborn. Well, what does that mean? That means you're kind of doing what you want to do. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, I know you're not stubborn. Some of you just looked at him and went, well, I don't know about that, right? you got to roll your eyes. Jesus did nothing on his own without what he heard from the Father. The power that Jesus walked in was from the Holy Spirit. We're always working together. So every time we see Jesus in the gospel do something powerful, it's hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus needed this ongoing partnership. He had to fulfill the assignment on earth in a three and a half year window of everything that he's going to do. And we get this great picture. In fact, if anybody ever asks you about They'll use that word Trinity, but we read this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And it gives us this great picture of what happened. It says, When he, this is talking about Jesus, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Okay, who's in the water? Jesus is in the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus is baptized in the water. He sees the holy, he doesn't see a dove. Many times the description is, well, it was a, it was a dove. It was a white dove. No, you know, at, like a dove, descending on him as the Holy Spirit, and they heard the Father speak. Here's a great picture for us of seeing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But something changed in Jesus that day when the Holy Spirit descended upon him. You go all the way back in the Old Testament and you see wherever there's power in the Old Testament, that will signify the Holy Spirit at work. Do You remember Samson? Everybody remember Samson? See, I I always believed that Samson wasn't a big guy. Because right there at the end, people are going to rush in and try to tackle him and take him down. And, you know, big guys get away with not having to fight that much because they're just big. You don't want to take on a big guy. But a little guy, you'll take him on any time, right? Any time of the day. But when God's spirit came upon Samson and he grabbed a jawbone of a donkey, he killed a thousand men. When we read these things, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. We read all throughout the Old Testament of the power that's taking place. The power of God being in a cloud by day for the Israelites and a fire by night, of that fire descending down so it would light up the camp. We see that example of the Red Sea being split, the Jordan River, the Battle of Jericho where they don't even fight. All they've got to do is blow trumpets and march and the walls of Jericho come down. That's the power that we're reading about. And there's so many examples. In fact, Jesus gives us, let me do this last one. Jesus gives us this one in Matthew 28, 19. And he uses this as the command, what we call sometimes the Great Commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of me. Did he say that? No. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So different from our culture today. Our our culture has really changed to showing everything about ourselves and what we're doing. If somebody shows up somewhere, somebody else shows up somewhere, to show you exactly what they're doing. We call that self-promotion. If you followed any things of the worship and revival taking place, Uh, at the college in Asbury, it was noted that um, many pastors were calling uh, that school and asking if they could have reserved seating for the revival. There's nobody sitting in any reserved seats, right? Everybody's like laid out on the ground, repenting and worshiping the Lord. Everything nowadays, though, tends to be self-promotion. There was no self-promotion. Jesus wasn't hanging banners. Come hear me speak. Jesus didn't do anything on his own. But he wanted to make sure that we remember that we're baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And whether in the Old Testament or New Testament, wherever we see the supernatural power, we see the Holy Spirit at work. And Jesus said, it's so important that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Let me put up a last verse here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me slow it down. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. So there was something there. It was void. There were some, something deep, something of waters. But notice, it was the Spirit of God hovering, waiting, waiting for the voice of the Lord. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. When I read that verse out, I thought I wanted to close with it this way. There might be many of us that feel void, that feel darkness, that might feel a way that those words just described, but it showed us that the Spirit was hovering and waiting for God to speak, I pray today that if there's any areas in your heart, your mind, your life, where you might fit in one of those categories, that you would remember that you are not alone, that God's Spirit is even hovering and waiting today. Receive that voice of the Lord in your heart, receive that powerful scripture today in your heart that he will align things. And instantly that he said, let there be light, light happened. I pray today it's confirmed in your heart. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, a couple things about confessing him, believing in our heart. But I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Would you repeat these words? After me, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I say sorry for my sin, and I choose to follow you and to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to close Uh, with this worship song.